Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Hello. Hello, hello. Hey. Marsha, good to see you. You too. Welcome. It's been too Thank long. You. I know. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Good. I'm um okay. So Charna told me about this group only a couple days ago, so I didn't get a chance to read the book. And I actually have never been a member of a book club, so I'm just sitting in just you know, to see what it's like and hopefully join. You're going to love good. it, especially because we have a great book to talk about tonight. It's fantastic. We'll, we'll oh. get you. We'll get you right in. Charna's coming in right now. So you can say, oh, hi. okay, good. We'll be okay, in good. Incredible. Okay. All right. There she is. Here she comes. There she is. Hi. Charna. Hey, Charna. Hey, Marcia. <laughs> So good you're joining us. You're going to be hooked. That's oh, it. good. Watch out. Once you get involved in a book club, that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, let's, no way let's, out. Welcome, let's welcome everybody. So, Lisa, Dina Malka, good to see you. Marsha, Charna, Sandrine, and of course, good evening. our fearless leader, Ariella. Thank you, as always, sure. for leading this group. You know what? Last month, Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't able to join. I was uh, not feeling well on the Sunday night of our thing. And I'm, it's so happy on our, for our get together, so happy to be back and, um, and be present. I'm excited about this conversation. So whether you've read it or not, or read the whole thing or almost the whole thing, you are going to love this conversation. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do you want to give two minutes for more people to join or we should? Uh, let's give like maybe one more minute. Maybe like I'm seeing 803. Let's 804 and then we should jump in. People may still Sounds be good. joining, but I think we should. I think we should get started because there's so much to talk about. Yeah, I agree. Okay, perfect. All right. I'm going to mute my. Oh, sorry. I'm going to mute myself in the meantime. <laughs> I was too quick on that. And, uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, no worries. Charna, I feel like it was only yesterday we were on a Zoom together. I know, it was almost right. only, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how often does the book club meet? Like once a month? Yeah, we, we do one book a month. That's <clears throat> the average, right. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And there are there's no topic. It's every month a different type of book. Um, we can get recommendations. We recommend. It's 
very democratic here. So all ideas are welcome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and Adina Malka sent me a recommendation on a book, which don't want to get too ahead of the conversation, but it was... That's for the end. <laughs> yeah, it is for the end. All right, I'll mention okay. it. I have it up oh. here. All right, cool. All right, good. I think we should get started. Let's let's do it. Um, yeah, let's all right, do it. this is the book club. This is right. our... Is this our fourth or fifth title? I'm trying to remember if it's four fifth. or five. Fifth, fifth, I think. Fifth. Yeah, I think fifth. Makes sense. Our fifth title, it's called The Two Family House. And Ariella, please take it away. Sure thing. Um, yeah, so a little bit of context about the book of why um, um, why it came to be. Um, so I one of the sources I get books usually is, and I'm sure you all check often, is the Jewish Council for Books. And, and there's competitions and people can submit books. The array of options are from like fiction, historical fiction, um, anything in between. So this book was recommended and it read a, an interview with the writer. And actually this is her first book, which I was a little bit hesitant at the beginning, um, but it, reviews were really, really good and we went ahead. Um, so I would like to start as always with just for the people who read the book, just general appreciation, the good and the bad, the pretty, the ugly. What do you guys think about the book? And then we can get more into the details of um, the characters and, and the plot in general. I guess I'll start. Um, at the book was going on. I was thinking this is probably the first book I don't like because I was getting tired of Mort and Rose and it was just heavy and it was, um, I was just feeling frustrated. Um, but things changed, I think, um, with the, uh, the bus accident. Right. Um, and other issues came up, but at, at first I was just like, I was even about to tell Marsha, like, I think this is the first book I like, meh, you know, how they say <laughs> right, that. Right. But um, no, all in all, you know, it was written in a different style where I think, she, I don't know how you describe that. Um, she gives you all the information. Right, um, right, right. She gets, she does, so actually, I mean, the style of the book is a really interesting. At the beginning, when I started reading it, I'm like, there's a lot of familiarity with our last book, which is the author wants you to understand the thoughts in the process of every single character or most of the characters. And in the yeah. previous book was every single character. Here was a big yeah. part of the characters. Um, so it's a different style, but they both have that similarity, but definitely you hear the dialogues and then you hear their internal thought process behind yeah. the dialogues and how things made them feel. And, um, and I think one other thing before the first, um, what's it, the first chapter, the first um, section was over. I mean, even way before that, you kind you know what happened. I right? also knew about Rabbi Solish was in the chair. So I don't know if it's like, 
if it's universal. <laughs> yeah. So then I'm wondering, well, when is it going? When is the big reveal going to come out? And I can't believe, you know, it didn't come out yet. Are we going to, that's going to be like, maybe it's a big twist, something we're not expecting, right? right but right. it's just what we expected. Oh. And uh, I'm just so then, wondering if the sequel will be that Mort marries Helen. Helen, right. <laughs> I was hoping I was, for that. They find yeah. comfort on each other. I don't know if they, if the point of the relationship was sentimental at all, but they definitely find comfort in each other. Right, yeah. All right, so I talk. Good, awesome, okay. thank you. A little bit of a different take on that, Sharna. Like, I, I, you know, like you, I, I you kind of knew what happened be, at the birth, what happened, but the re, that wasn't the climax of the story to me the climax came at the, it was very unexpected at the end about uh, how it affected um, uh, the young couple about whether they could get married or not. That to me was, you know, out of left field. I was not expecting that. I thought right, the revelation, right. oh, okay, that's gonna be the end. But uh, to me, it, it was, uh, wow, <laughs> that's all I can say. Right. There, there was something in my family that happened uh, about second, first cousins not being able to marry and I was completely blown away at the end. Right, it's, it's, there's definitely some, we can touch on that as well. It's, um, we have a expert rabbi in the house, so to hear a little bit mm -hmm. where the, the Jewish positions on that, but just yeah. you're bringing up a little bit, it's just that, social pressure, even in the 50s or 60s, way before we know there was no social stigma at all about cousins getting married. But starting in the 60s, um, there was already thoughts of a potential effect on, on, on kids and, and there was more stigma being brought up, definitely. Well, also it was revealed how they didn't talk about it, they just, looked and and then everything from there on out is how it affected um rose so much um i mean i think we could talk about that maybe that's where my big questions are it really affected rose. her even right. though she wanted right and her her main issue was with mort controlling her right and, and right. her wanting to please him. Absolutely. Oh boy. Any other general appreciations of the book? Even if I don't like, I didn't like it, that's totally welcome. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah, I was um, also like uh, how Rose ended up just hard as nails. That, mm -hmm. that was also a surprise for me. A change, right, right, absolutely. Um, I liked the book. I, I thought, it, so I read this interview before reading the book, so I had some sort of context. Um, very interesting that most houses that review the book set it as a historical fiction which made me very puzzled. And I'm like, why is this historical fiction? So I went researching that. And 
my understanding is the appreciation of all these different review places is that it was really well and I don't have any way to say whether this is true or not, but it was really a thorough description of the life in the 40s in, in like in New York and that area. So outside the dynamics of the family, which is completely a made up story, the way they describe the time and the research the author did about the way of living in the 40s and 50s, especially that part of the book, um, people thought it was so well done that they categorized the book as a um, historical fiction. So that I thought it was very interesting. Um, I definitely, I thought she was a good writer in the way that I felt that the connections to the places and the people. And I was almost sad a little bit when the book ends and I'm like, kind of missed them. Even though I didn't know who I liked, who I didn't like. <laughs> even like Helen at some point, I'm like, oh, you're too good for me. I don't really like you, you know? So I actually got to like the kids more than the parents, you know? I was like, okay, with you guys, I can like see myself, I represent myself. Another thing that I want to bring up that I thought was real interesting is that one of the questions of this um, interview was about, which is common, that they asked her about her inspirations to, to write the book. And she brought up her Hebrew school class, like, you know, like 16 years ago or whatever, um, when she was young. And she learned about the story of Solomon of um, there are two women that come with one baby to him and they're arguing who is this baby and they they're like no the baby's mine the baby's mine no your baby died no your baby died it's my baby your baby my baby your baby eventually baby solomon asked this sound like excuse me um eventually solomon asked is it i have an idea i'm gonna split the baby in two um, are you cool with that? And one of the parties is like, yeah, sure, I'll take, I'll take half the baby. And the other one is like, no, 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 no. I'd rather you stay with the baby, but keep the baby alive, you know? So that's the inspiration of the story, which triggered me an idea of like, Rose is gonna come after her for Natalie. She's gonna sue her, she's gonna do whatever. I mean, I was like, I was Googling whether there's DNA testing back then, but regardless, I was like, this is gonna come out. She's gonna want her kid back once Teddy was died. Um, so that preemptively gave me that idea. So then, because that didn't happen, I somehow felt, I felt Rose was almost like compassionate or that she swallowed her own pain, but didn't want to cause, I mean, she did cause a lot of pain to people around her, but in any event, she didn't bring the, the, the story out. So um, that's my general appreciation. Um, anyone else, just general comments? If not, we can just jump into topics, whatever you prefer. Yes, uh, I really like the book. I read it in one uh, Shabbat afternoon. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I, you know, Amazing. from the beginning, I thought, you know, what would happen? But then I was curious how, how they're going to bring it up, mm -hmm. went back to the prologue and also uh, 
sorry, how we're going to bring it up. And um, at some point, even I was wondering, like, maybe that's not what it is, you know, because right. the way it was written, right. like, sometimes right. you wonder, um, right. you were wondering if it's really what's going to happen. And of course, the, 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 the part with Teddy, I didn't see that coming at all. And um, but yeah, I really, really enjoy the book. Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? Any general appreciations? Yeah, I really liked the book a lot. I was, um, but I was very surprised and almost disappointed at the development of Rose's character. Mort became a lot more human and softer, and you know, it was as if it was as if his innate character changed for the good. Right. And to me, she became. Um, it was like too bitter. It, it was almost like it was over the top. Right. And right. I, I didn't understand how she got that way. Right. Oh, I did. Oh, right. Oh, really? So that's uh, definitely it, one of the main topics of the book. I agree. They're both of their transformations are very um, against nature. Even like more, we, we, it's comforting because it's getting better. But if you think about someone like him, there was totally um, zero empathy, um, just almost borderline abusive, if you think about it, um, oh, yeah. emotionally abusive. Um, he, him becoming the person he became was also a very drastic transformation. So we're gonna touch into that. Definitely, okay. I think that's the main topic of the book. Um, another thing that it usually like, you get to to feel out of a book. It's like, what is the main feeling that the that the characters give you or make you feel? And I've learned this type of books that tend to walk you through the life of the characters, not just like a five year one event spam. It really aroused compassion because otherwise I'm angry at them, but Life, I mean, we all make mistakes. And at the end, like there is, I was feeling like, almost like compact, like I, I, he gave me that type of feeling. I don't know what, what was the general feeling that you got for the characters and the story and the plot. Um, if anyone wants to share any thoughts on that. I, I, if I could just share some general thoughts about the book. So just yeah. a few very general thoughts. Um, number one, I liked, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed reading it. Um, I also, um, like Sandrine, I, I think I almost finished it between like a Friday night and a Shabbos day. Like, this is like all rabbi secrets aside. I mean, like what other what rabbis do to land Shabbos, but I also found a way to almost go cut over the cover on this as well over a Shabbos. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I actually appreciate, I'm, I'm noticing I like kind of books that give multiple um, narrator perspectives that kind of mm -hmm. give insight into this character, that character. I like sometimes when the scenes are overlapping and you get like one character's perspective and then immediately the other character's perspective about the same incident that's going on. And like, you know, you see it from one, one vantage point to second vantage point. Um, I did think that some, I agree with, with, um, with Eve that some of the, um, some of the character development I wasn't thrilled with, not only I would say with Rose, but I found in general, 
some of the characters were a little bit too, what's the word I'm looking for? Predictable, maybe. It was like a little bit too wooden, a little bit too like, mm-hmm. you could almost predict the dialogue that was going to happen. And not because we know the characters so well, but just because they almost were being fit into certain paradigms or certain um, archetypes. I enjoy, I, I really enjoyed it, but I found like some of the character development was a little bit too, um, I don't know what the right word would be. Too predictable. Well, um, as far as character development, like some some characters had no development at all. They were just names like uh, right, right. Joe and George. You know, I kept having to refer to my name. Joe and, I mean, they were just mm-hmm. names to me. They were, you know, like, uh, who was the other one? Mimi and um, Dinah. I mean... Mm-hmm. These, they weren't full characters. They were just names to me. Right. And actually, let me just bring one more perspective about that. The book, she first wrote it only with the four adults' voices. None of the kids, no Natalie and no Judith. And then... Um, Bailey? Through, through, through the process of like... Um, just like going through like reviews and people recommendations they were like bring one of the kids into the narration and the and the first voice and she brought the two she brought those two so that's a really good observation and I really enjoy that like next generation perspective um but like I think that's a really key point of the book is the 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 character development I'm gonna go one step further to say that even Abe and Helen didn't develop in a way that you would say that they changed or that the events affect their personalities like definitely affect them and you can see them like mourning when when the kids died or you can see them in different like stage of their life suffering or or happy or sad but but the personalities were the same Helen was always this loving caring almost over the top caring person and Abe was always this like super like forgiving and um, he says love is forgiving, but like that's, I feel like the, the overall like state of his character. So it was definitely there that um, the more static characters. And then um, we need to bring up the fact that uh, Mort and Rose completely evolved to almost different people. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question for you is, we can you can choose one or the other or talk about both, but what do you think are the events that lead those transformations in their lives? Um, what any thought is welcome. I have my theories, so I'm very happy if we can share it all. Well, I think the beginning of Rose's bitterness was that she had always always trying to um, please more. Nothing, 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 nothing worked. You know, he didn't pay any attention to his wife or to the girls. And so that prompted her to take Teddy. But even that didn't seem to satisfy him. He couldn't really relate to his little boy that he wanted. And she was pretty pissed about that. You know, um, I I think that was the beginning of her, you know, her just bitterness and... uh, you know, she had sacrificed so much for, for him, including, you know, the baby swap. And she, 
you know, I that was the beginning for her, I think, of this mm -hmm. incredible bitterness. I, yeah, I agree. Um, any other thoughts on their transformations and what were those pivotal events? Well, Natalie finding, or Teddy and Natalie getting that math book. And Natalie had a way about her. Um, and somehow Reed was able to sp speak to Mort in a way that he responded and wanted to be a part of their lives. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so that, that was unusual because I don't think otherwise, if, if they just found the book, <laughs> that it, he would have really been open anyway, but right. some, something about the way they approached him, or maybe it was just time with him. Right. Yep. Um, and also I think um, as the girl, as Judith got older, she, she knew stuff. She was trying to figure out stuff too, right. and um, making friends with Natalie, that could have brought about a change to right. yeah. a shift. That relationship definitely made more very happy. Hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Any other thoughts on their process and just changes? I like, uh, uh, I think it was at the beginning, but uh, Mort was trying to change and by getting mitzvah point of, you know, really like that. Like he was trying to be nice to people to get mitzvah, mitzvah point to get a boy. And then the more nicer he was to people, the more people, you know, right, right. get close to him and it was making him mad. And uh, right. so... It was nice to see that. Uh, the consequences of his kindness yes. were not <laughs> what he was looking for. <laughs> and then they asked me how my weekend was. I'm like, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That was interesting because that didn't trigger a change because he was able to go out of that point system quite quickly. But yeah, any other thoughts on their changes? I, I want to comment on what Adina, what, what Adina Malka said um, and maybe even take it, I don't know if it's a step further, but maybe just a, 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 a subtle drop different. So you said that for Rose, like the biggest catalyst was just her husband not, not being happy with her or with the kids or whatever it is. And then, you know, even when she switches the baby for, for the boy, he's still not, he's still not, you know, he's still not, to me, her, I don't know what you want to call it, depression or like that, like closing in on herself, I believe based on how I was reading the story is starting even before he gets over the fact that he finally has a boy. In other words, it says that at the beginning, he was excited about having a boy, but then eventually it's like, you know, whatever he, but I think she was already done even before he was done. In other words, I think her having done what she did for to try to make him feel good. I think that itself sowed such, what's the word I'm looking for? Such um, resentment that that would be something she would never be able to get over. And that was-, was Resentment, I think is the key question of Rose 
just spiral. Like, In other words, just, the, the moment so, the switch is done and she said, and she realizes, I mean, the other one, so, so, um, so Helen is doing it as a chet, like as a chesed, which again, you could argue it's not chesed, it is chesed, but it's coming from a loving place. She did it out of desperation or right. out of fear or out of whatever. And the resentment that that decision, it's irres- in my opinion, irrespective of what actually happens after that, yeah. just feeling that she was forced into doing something, giving up her own kid, I think that that was done. I don't think there was any turning back from there. That's right. that's how I understood it. Right. And then along those lines is the question of why. So there was really, it was obviously resentment when she saw the relationship that Maury had with Natalie. He, she even said, like, you'll have your own three daughters. Why don't you build a relationship with them? But even when his relationship with Judith started getting a little bit closer, she also was resentful. She also was like, why do you now have a relationship with Judith? Like, why do you care about her? So it was just like, I think at a point in which whatever he would do, it would just be a step down. So like, there was nothing from the moment Teddy dies, there's nothing he can do that will like bring back something positive out of her. Alfred, don't turn the light off. And he went just like down from there. So there is definitely that. Um, and I would go one step further about Rose specifically, which you think as good as Helen was, Helen was not what Rose is needed ever, probably even in the beginning, because it was always a, a source of comparison for her. And it was also always a source of jealousy. Like she's loved, she's, she's happy, she cooks really well. The first time I went back to check, the first time the apple pie come out, it's way before they are enemies, you know, that it comes, the first time they celebrate um, Thanksgiving together when the kids are very, very young um, in, in their happy and in their best friends and she's still relying on her. She has this admiration, which to be honest, let's just be honest, admiration usually comes with some sort of jealousy. So I think um, the, the apple pie, the fact that she will bake this apple pie that her daughter will love so much was a problem for her from her since the beginning, you know? So I think... Helen did not have a good effect on her in as sweet, as gentle and good that Helen was. I don't know if she was very perceptive to what people around her needed. Um, And I don't think Helen was what Rose needed. And even though her take, like her stepping up with Teddy probably, I mean, I don't know, I mean, saved him. I don't know if it would have died, but like definitely helped that the, the, Rose was not up to the task of caring for him. Um, it, it created more resentment. So all that she had was resentment to everybody around her life. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I was thinking is like, such, such a shame that like therapy and modern like psychology was not part of their lives there because really she would have come out of it. Like she... When they were like describing her after having the baby, I'm like, oh, she has postpartum depression. Like, just treat that, you know, like give it some medication. But like, it's just not what it was done back then. And it just never 
got out of the hole. So just some, some help could have totally switched events. But I think that's, um, for more was a little bit more quote unquote obvious is, is the Natalie um, effect on him, is the fact that Teddy dies, is the fact that, and with Rabbi Solish we were talking, I almost felt that he was a very rational, bad person. He wasn't really like a bad person in the sense of an instinct to damage people. He just didn't want to be good. And the moment when he realized that Rose was going down, he's like, someone needs to step up. Like, my kids need someone to relate or someone. So, like, it was almost like trying to pick up the pieces of, like, even we do it in small things at the day to day. It's like, oh, one is tired. Okay, so I'm going to do that. Like, with our spouses, like, we have that, like, take, give and take type of thing. Um, and I think for him was like, she's not available for the kids anymore. So maybe I need to step up a little bit. It was horrible when it was both of them. There was some period where both of them were bad. And that they went, Judith was, was in high school. She didn't have any parent to get mm -hmm. support. Mm -hmm. So that was the hardest time, I think, in the book. Like the most depressive. I'm like, these kids have not a source of love or, or support of any of their parents. So definitely um, that was, it was an interesting topic there. Any other thoughts about their transformations of characters? Well, just another point about, you know, Rose, how she became so hardened. She was not only jealous of Helen, who was this good, you know, kind, you know, mumala, you know, kind of person. Mm -hmm. She not only was jealous of that, but she was jealous that Natalie was getting all this attention. The daughter that she had given up, mm -hmm. that was the daughter that everyone was just doting on. And she was uh, so bitter about that too. So bitter. Yeah. yeah. She, um, she, she was a, a very complex character and very riveting for me. Mm -hmm. But we can say that, I mean, Rose stopped being a first person at the end of the book, but we can assume that somehow she found peace in Florida. Just based on that letter, based on the fact that she was able to send the, the earrings. I don't know. I had some sort of comfort that even though I'm upset with her, and I guess this is a compassion piece, I'm upset she basically abandoned her family and her kids Mm -hmm. uh, not even the husband, because I, I'm like, I'm sorry, he can be nice now. He was abusive for many, many years, so he doesn't deserve her. But the kids still may need a mother, but um, she seemed to have find some sort of peace in, in Florida. I, I, I got that feeling. I was just appalled, like when she found out she got this inheritance, it was like flatline. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like her moral standards drop completely. Like mm -hmm. there was nothing I I was I would not have been surprised if she could have like killed someone. She had no moral standards at some point of the book. Um but yeah. And one thing I, you know, talk about the character development, like I was just impressed that Abe was such a romantic. He was such a romantic. 
Mm. He was always in something sweet, encouraging. Yeah. He was affectionate. Uh, that was uh, that touched me a lot. The the romance that that carried on into their marriage. It was very sweet. Yeah, I. It was not a 1940s type of husband for me, and I mean a lot of this is my own preconception because you know but like if I think about like my grandparents relationship they had really good relationships but um I don't know it it was very loving and romantic for the time absolutely oh I, I can think of a lot of couples and okay, good. Family. <laughs> oh no that were um affection I could think of lots of cousins and I don't know it uh I, it, it, it wasn't in my, my own parents' uh, mm -hmm. marriage, but in a lot of my family, I can remember a lot of cousins and married couples who were affectionate and sweet mm -hmm. husbands. Yeah. That's good. That's good to hear. I don't know. When we think about women evolution, I feel like in my head, I've put different times of like not good, but it's not true. It's, it's just like a one side of the story. Um, another real interesting topic in the book is the importance of the physical space and which almost become a character, which is this house or the two family home. Um, it evolves too the way, you know, that the, the story changes um, and eventually dies. Like the, it becomes a memory, the two family home. But what, did you get any appreciation of the house as like an important part of the book or what what did you guys think about how the house was like that a key point on the story or was it a key point of the story let me start that way mm -hmm. that's a question <laughs> mm -hmm. oh you know I mean like Helen wanted to come down to the little household of all the little women down there, all the daughters. She wanted to escape all the boys and come downstairs where all the girls were. And then Mork, he was uh, so frustrated hearing all those uh, boys running around upstairs. He, he wanted a boy and the boys were upstairs and she wanted the daughters mm -hmm. and the daughters were downstairs. Yeah, I thought the house was uh, very important. Well, I, I never thought about this, but I suppose I live in a, a three-family house. Oh, really? Interesting. A triplex, and I'm on the bottom. And I, when I have to rent the apartment right over my bedrooms, I'm like, I mean, really, I mean, I think I have different um, biometrics, like blood pressure, and <laughs> um, it, it's, it's very difficult for me. It, and and a lot of it is just how I how I feel about the person. It's nothing on paper. It's right. um, but yeah, the no, the noise factor affects me. <laughs> every uh, I'm very sensitive to it. Now other people might not be, but when people come over and they hear people walking on top, oh, you know, how can you stand that? <laughs> no, um, but I never thought of that until just now. So yeah, it would have a big effect on if you're if other things are going on in your life, I guess. 
um, especially it can be magnified. Yeah. Interesting. Of course, the mothers never would have been able to make that trade right. were it not for the house. You know, they Absolutely. thought it was going to be like a communal situation and be okay. Yeah, they couldn't have made that arrangement otherwise. Right. Yeah, so the house somehow was the enabler of the story. It allows the story to happen, but it also was the source of so many of the problems. It, it was the source of so many of the, as we were mentioning before, the word, the source of jealousy and resentfulness that came from Rose. Even the problems, I'm going back to the bad more, you know, it was the bad or the good one, but when he needed to walk with Abe or when it, it, it almost felt like for, for Helen, like this is the best idea, we're sisters, we like, and then for the other family, it was not good for them. But then also at the end of the story, Helen says, we were supposed to live in the two family house together and raise the kids together and then that didn't work so it almost felt that like it wasn't only the enabler because they were at the same place at the same time giving birth of the kids it was because of like that permission to raise a family almost like almost like a kibbutz i was thinking my mom grew up in israel in a kibbutz and like mm -hmm. everybody is everybody's parents you know and like <laughs> we're all one big family and we love each other but um <laughs> It's that type of um, dynamics that definitely almost like enable the story to happen. And then when they leave and this house died, it creates a lot of the crisis, you know? So I don't know, that was kind of my feeling with the house. But yeah, I, I like the house. <laughs> yeah, I think it was really important for Helen, but it seemed only for her. Uh, she really liked that sense of, uh, yeah, family, you know, being together and she will go down to, uh, you know, she even mentioned or she felt lonely sometime with all the boys upstairs and we come, you know, had a friend in rows and I thought it was a little sudden or, you know, her husband just decided to move. Like it was not that important to those three characters. Right. Adult. Yeah. It's a muted character. <laughs> well, I think the decision to move was because the box factory, you know, it was like a financial thing, you know, we have to live close. The factory is bigger that than prompt. the factory. Yeah. yeah. But I think there, there was already Rose was becoming very depressed and very bitter. So there was that hope that that would help her, you know? Not that yeah. it did, but <clears throat> those definitely some hopes. And they I, didn't I, look for another house together. It could have, I'm, I'm sure it was not hard to find. Yeah. I, I, I was gonna say, I think that, um, I think that the idea that the house is, is, a, is another character, I think that's, that's a very interesting mm -hmm. idea. I think it's very powerful. And I think maybe the only one that realizes that it's a character is Helen. I think she's the only one that gives almost a, a life to the house. Right. 
Right. Rose is done, and the guys I don't think realize it. I mean, the husbands are like, you know, we business, as you said, Adina Mak, right? Business decision or whatever it is, you know, we got to move, and they don't they don't look for a house together. And and Helen's like, we had a whole pact, right, based on the house, <laughs> right? That's it was right. It, it would have it the whole ra- the the rationale or the rationalization for switching the kids mm-hmm. is really in her head. The reason why that's okay and that's not horrible. Right, right. Like at the end about like having secret families. The reason why it's not horrible is because there is transparency in the sense that we're all going to be here together. Right. right, no one's sneaking off anywhere else. We're all it's one big kumbaya. So we're going to go upstairs. We're going to go downstairs. You're going to come upstairs. We're all going to be together at the park. It's all going to be one family that is kind of the structure w- with the house as as the structure, the character that kind of holds it together. Once that house is taken away, I mean that's. That's really the manifestation, I think, of the breakdown that's already happened. But to Hel- to Helen, I mean, her mourning of that house is like the is like the loss of 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 a human being. I mean, she's 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 very much, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly, she's very broken about the house. Believe you know. me, yeah, she yeah. can't because handle it. With the house, she had Teddy. She had proximity to her her son, to Teddy. Right. That was right. why it killed her so much. To you know, move in a separate house. Didn't bother right. Rose that much because she wasn't that attached to Natalie. She was, you know, as a matter of fact, she was jealous of her daughter. But Helen, not having the house meant not having Teddy. At that point, she wasn't attached to anyone. <laughs> Even at that point, because they have that um, scene on the, I mean, scene is not a movie, but that um, part <laughs> of the story on the, in the park when they go to the park and Helen is like, we can't leave the house. I mean, this is, we're raising the kids together. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Rose holds her hand for the first time of showing a person, like any sort of love in, in a few years already. She's like, please do not fight this. I need it. I need to leave this house. So Rose definitely thought it would be a source of new hopes, new life, new beginnings, and it didn't bring any of it. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, the house was it's a very powerful place. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine. It sounds fascinating in the sense that I grew up in a very open place with cousins coming in and out. I mean, not in the same house, but like very open. They're very open in the sense of like, no one needed an invitation um, with friends and cousins, but this proximity of like, just almost living in the same house. I don't know. It's very interesting, but yeah, it's a powerful property. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to get into this. I don't want to like go jump around too much, but I was thinking as, as everybody was talking a moment ago, um, was the arrangement, was it even Rose's arrangement or was it only in Helen's head? I, I wonder. I mean, I know it actually happened, but right. Helen is the only one that actually said, sorry, Helen right. was the first one that said, this is your cousin, right? This is not right. your sister. She's the, but, but she felt that she got a look of desperation. Right. So, and I think it goes back to what you said before. And I, I know I'm like off topic because it was about the house. Please, a second ago. that's a like, part of this. You know, when you're trying to help someone, so it becomes very complicated as far as what help is what what help is really help and what help right. is really harm. 
right? right. Somebody needs help, but the question is what is going to help them and what is going to not help them, what is going to enable them, what is going to hurt them, and what's really going to be to their benefit. And right. that requires a lot of wisdom to figure that out. Right. And when her, when her, not hers, I mean her, when Rose is looking at her with that desperation, so to help her, let's say, there's two options. I mean, there's many options, but one option is let's let's do the switch and let, let me make that call to help right. her. The other one is to help her realize the blessing that she has with this healthy child. Right. I, and, and, and who's to say, whatever, it's just something, a thought that occurred about, you know, her making that call about what should be done and what, def, what is the, what constitutes help and what constitutes the best thing and her making that call in that moment. Did you guys um, realize that was Rose's decision, quote unquote, before Helen said it, or you had your doubts or you thought maybe it was, they had a chance to talk about it? Because at, at the end, she reveals that Helen basically received this look from Rose and she accepts it. Yeah. She's like, hey, here's your brother, Teddy, you know. Um, did you expect it that, that way, that, that in, interchange? I don't think, I don't think they had time to talk about it. I think it was just a... Uh... Helen kind of made the decision in response to Rose's no. look and, and Rose went along with it, but you don't know if she actually Rabbi Solish raised a big point. I don't know if she willingly went along. She might've just been stunned and went along right. and then, and didn't have the strength to take it back. I mean, it's a hard thing to walk back. And so when they were together in the that then cemented Helen into more of a position of power because she was the decision maker. Right. So no, I, I don't think it was thought out at all. The, 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 I mean, I think one, and, and this is interesting, I think um, Ravi Sola should touch exactly on the point, like Rose made herself believe that the fact that Helen, she says at some point, I gave you Natalie and you didn't give me Teddy, you know, like mm -hmm. you ended up with its two kids and that's what it created this drama. But yeah, she was broken already. I mean, that sounds people don't break, but like she was already severely um, damaged by all her life events from her abusive husband and and just having a girl and not another like so I don't know it was that feeling of like yeah I don't know it's very it's powerful because like at that point even at that point I it felt like it didn't matter what they would do it, it was already too late it was she already there was no good way out for her in her life but I think if you think about it, if she, if Rose didn't really choose that, right? If Helen, like, assuming this is this, I mean, it's kind of written like that, but it, if we follow the train of thought, if Rose doesn't really 100% want it, so then what's happening essentially is she doesn't want Helen's baby, right? Yeah. She's not, she never asked for it, like over, she, and and Eva's correct. Like there wasn't time. It was it was the moment. It was a snowstorm. It, there was panic. There was there was pain. There was a difficult like like all all of that stuff is happening, and then she has another girl, 
and she's feeling, I don't know what, how, whatever she's feeling. And then Helen makes that decision. Does she ever willingly accept another person's baby, but her baby is being taken away. And so at the end, when we find out that she, that she, when she, when that dramatic, I guess the final confrontation happens and she says, as you uh, cited a moment ago, like you got both kids and I got none. I think that's super telling. That's super telling. What do you think about the Jewish rituals in the book? Like it was the breaking the fast or the every time someone died, <laughs> how do you think that was part of their lives? I didn't think Judaism played that much. I mean, culturally, I think it did. You know, certainly from my childhood, I remember you could not visit any relative unless you went to the bakery and had this white cardboard box with Danish in it. You wouldn't enter a house without that. Possibly you could bring some smoked fish. You had to have something like that. Um, it, it just, um, as far as being Jewish, I mean, the, there was this talk about how they had Thanksgiving and Passover and then the, the Danish, that kind of stuff. But it didn't seem like they were particularly- Very cultural, right? Yeah, it was- If a, anything. Yeah. But I think that was very typical of secular Jews at the time. Very, I, and that was, uh, to me, that was pretty typical. And then even the thing, when you start to get more money, you, you move up, you move out and up. That's so interesting you say it because I, the way I grew up in the 40s, there weren't secular Jews. There were secular Jews in the 90s, you know, but like in, in the US, I know it's different, but still the secular Jews were not necessarily by option, but just by design, the fact that you all live together and there is much more discrimination against Jews. You were all together. That's in, and you were much more Jewish, even if you didn't want it, you needed to speak Yiddish, even in the forties in Chile, that was like all the Jewish newspapers were in Yiddish. Like, oh, wow. um, so I was like, oh, there were secular Jews in the forties. I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, you knew pre-war that Germany had many, many intellectual secular Jews, but in in my family, it, it was just not part of the, the setting at that time. I mean, it happened then in the next generation, people went all found different ways, but not all the way back in the 40s. But I guess, yeah, the US got the first immigrants much earlier, like Jewish immigrants. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I was, I mean, it was, I think Judaism was about life events, like the bar mitzvah or the bris, you know, or about our funerals. Those were done in a Jewish way or then a few holidays. So probably very typical secular family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the, the, the inspiration for the story was the story in the, in the Talmud. So it's, it's just interesting how that came to be. There was no Solomon in here. There was no like higher decision-making, even though at the end, I felt that Natalie was that person for, for Helen, at least of like comfort and like, like you did the right thing or whatever, like not the right thing at changing the babies, but now we're, we're, we're at peace. 
you definitely find founder piece. I wonder, I don't know if anyone had this thought that even though we know it's not true because he's, he's we have a very well understanding of the characters in first person, but I almost felt that Abe didn't want to remember that argument, that he was okay with the status quo. I'm like, did he really didn't hear or did he heard and just didn't want to bring it up because he was fine how it was. It was really about the dress. So I don't know, I was very curious. I thought at some point they would reveal that he died knowing. Oh, you mean by the by his heart attack? Did he what, did he really overhear the conversation? Right. Also, I also wonder that, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know, at the hospital, they, it, someone kept asking, wait, uh, Helen uh, wanted to know, um, she didn't uh, to leave his bedside. It, when he woke up, she, she, she was gonna wonder like, you know, would he say something, you know, about the conversation and somebody else would be at the bedside to hear that secret being revealed. She, she, but it seemed like he, he didn't, it seemed like he didn't hear it. I Holy, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. He was like a naive, I don't know, but um, he was a or, very loving character. Or did he hear it and just choose not to say right. anything. Right, and that that was my, I thought it would come up that he knew, but never, it was never revealed. So so I think, I, I, maybe there's a third option, which is kind of in between. Maybe he heard it, but somehow he didn't, he couldn't allow himself <laughs> to imagine that that's what he heard. So in his head, he had to almost reinterpret it as a, as a conversation, a dispute about mm -hmm. something else. Maybe right. it was so like, it was so impossible that that could have been what they were talking about that he, without even knowing it, he just, you know, reinterpreted it, reimagined it, especially given the trauma that he went through. I, I think maybe another way to ask the question is, did that, did that, did him overhearing that conversation right. the heart attack? Oh yeah. Was yeah. It completely accidental <laughs> or coincidence I find that hard to, I, I personally find it hard to believe. I think on some level he heard it and on some level it, it harmed, I, I, who knows, right? It's a, but that's how I, I feel right. but somehow in his own head. I don't know that he knew, but he was covering it up. I think he was covering it up like, but knowing that he was covering up, I think he covered up even for himself. That's, right. that's I think, I don't know that it's true. I'm just saying that's how right. I was. But I, um, yeah, I agree. Um, one thing that made me very happy was to hear that Judith had a significant relationship later in her life. Finally, I was, was a little bit worried that the traumatic experience of seeing her parents' relationship would not yeah. facilitate her own interaction with whoever she wanted it. But even it was one line of Dr. Kaplan, I was like, just made me very happy. Um, just last topic, I know we're running out of time, but um, I think one very important also concept of the book is this, I mean, I would say like almost like two houses type of opinion. I don't think we still have a conclusion with modern psychology about um, nature and how we come from the fabric versus nature and how much our environment can affect us. 
Um, I don't know if any one of you saw this, um, this documentary about these three um, Jewish twin kids, did you? Okay. So while I was reading it, I was remembering of these like three kids. So they're twins, they were born the same day, same mother, mother with very severe psychological conditions that she ended up, I think, committing suicide, um, the mom. But then the kids were part of an experiment, which is horrible, let's not even go there, but in which they were put in different houses um, no one knew they, they were part of the same family, the families that adopted them. One was like lower middle class, one was upper middle class, and one was like a very wealthy family. And the doctor who, who did that option, Jewish doctor, Jewish everything, but again, let's not go there, um, follow them along to see how they would develop, whether their family who adopted them would be the, the major influence on their life or or how they came to be from a mother that was severely, she had a schizophrenia and other uh, very severe psychological conditions. And I mean, that, that, that's a different story, but I think that if, I, I kept thinking about that while reading the book. And what do you think was more powerful in the, in the two kids or, or what do you see more, um, I don't know, what, whether this was at all something you thought through? I thought about it. I thought about it a lot with the character of Mort, that there are some people they just come out that way. Um, I was very happy that he was able to develop into something else. Um, I, I just it, it just prompted me to think a lot about that. Right. Yep. Absolutely. That and power of, of change. Yeah, I was gonna say, and also Natalie, I mean, having, you know, grown up in one family, but being Mort's kid, but having an affinity toward math and kind of, you know, that type of, yeah. Yeah, the math piece was definitely something you think just, it's how they come along. Um, and Teddy was like this playful, but very much Abe, even though he grew up with like the most boring and just very plain parents he got that like spice and though i mean he, he he died very young but we saw some of this like like very like almost mesh of it like i don't know like this cute little happy bubbly kid um but yeah i don't know i mean it's 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 very interesting i think they made some things very obvious like yeah she likes math but then also i wonder whether that affinity and that relationship, like the fact that Natalie was able to build this relationship with, with more than no one else was able to build. Um, but she felt freed in the house, you know, every Thursday. It was a, a, a good day for her being there. Um, no one asked her questions. And then it made me feel like all we do <laughs> make thinking that we're helping our kids. There you have, like, she's like, oh, it's so good. No one asked me anything here. No one want to hear about me. Um, so it's, it's all about perspectives. But yeah, it's, I think it's probably both, but it's very interesting to see how they came to be, that, that balance between how they're born and how they're raised, these kids. Yeah. But I guess overall was 
thumbs up to the book. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Great book. Really like awesome. It. Yeah. Awesome. You know, before we sign up, I just wanted to, um, you know, leave with some clarity in my head about this first cousin situation. Oh, right, right. I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Have well, that that's okay. Uh, I think it, it's been addressed in part, but um, I think, Ariella, you were saying that with, um, you know, genealogical testing now, you know, but um, I know when um, back, oh, I don't know, the turn of the century, there was a, it was just not allowed, as far as I know, uh, for first cousins. And I wanted to know, is that okay now, Rabbi? Do first cousins get married now, or is that still a thing we don't do it, or? You're asking a great question. You're asking a really great question. Um, so there's nothing halachic in Jewish law against marrying one's first cousin. It's not, it's not against Jewish law. Um, it sounds to me, and I don't, you know, I, I know individuals, I mean, not my generation, but, you know, all, a generation before that did marry first cousins. Um, so, you know, it's uh, what, what I'm thinking is maybe in some places or in some communities, it was taboo, um, more taboo, less taboo. Maybe the taboo was associated with, um, a Jewish consideration, but it, there's nothing in Jewish law that that actually um, mm. prescribes it or like that says that it's not it's not okay. But so, Rabbi, if you're asking, oh, hold on one second, Eve, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so if you were asking for a bracha for a, for a, a union, a marriage, would you get a bracha if it was a first cousin? That's a really good question. It's a really good question. I think it would be a cautious bracha. It would be okay. it would be saying now. I mean, I happen to know a Chabad family. Um, again, not my age, but older and the first cousins. And unfortunately, a number of their kids mm. um, had developmental challenges and passed away at a young age. Mm. Um, so would you get a bracha? I imagine that they probably wrote in for a blessing to, to the Rebbe and, and got a blessing. I think the blessing was probably, I, I don't know. I don't know in that case. I think it's one specific case, but I would say, again, there's nothing in Jewish law against it. I don't know about the state law, if New York state would have an issue with it. I don't think it doesn't sound like it would be necessarily against the U S law either, but I think there was, is maybe still some level of, I don't know, hesitation. So a bracha, yes, but maybe a cautious one. Maybe. Okay. You know, today, I, I, is there genetic testing that could be done for that? There is, right? Yeah. Right, right. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and also I think one piece is the familiarity we have with our cousins today. We, yeah. it, it, back 200 years ago, if you get recommended your first cousin and it's like someone you've never seen before, doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> Or, um, or maybe you could go the other way because in a shtetl you probably weren't actually getting so far out so maybe right. it was closer but there was a certain sense of all right at least we know all the guests for the wedding you <laughs> <laughs> we know what everybody likes to eat for the catering right we know what oh my gosh yeah i don't know i don't Somehow know it's, it's, a it's a really good question it's a right. really good question and my, my I, I don't know that i can answer definitively and but my my sense is that there were probably communities, 
neighborhoods, cultural areas where it was like, we don't do that. And somewhere it's, you know, we might be okay with that. That's yeah. my experience. But it's not against halacha. It's not against Jewish right. law. It's not a prohibition that doesn't necessarily mean it's encouraged in right. Judaism. It's not one of the relationships that are forbidden for like there are certain relationships that are just completely out of the books um, for obvious reasons, but then there are some that necessarily, I mean, that doesn't mean it's a good match. <laughs> right. So am I understanding that it, there's, there's nothing to prohibit it, but it, what happened in my family may have been more a result of a cultural thing or you know, in this area, it's okay. In this part of the States, it's not okay. It's more regional or something. It might have also been a product of concern about, I, again, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know as to what extent it was known, you know, some decades ago about the health, cha the, the, the challenges to the children. If it was known, then that might have been, you know, suitable cause for concern to kind of, make it somewhat of a, you know, we don't, we don't go there, even if it's kosher, it's something we don't do because of the concern about the physical health. Again, I don't, I don't, it's, you're, it's a really good question. It's a really good question. I don't know. I can only comment on the halacha, on the Jewish law of it. It's not, as Ariella said, very, very um, accurately. It's not one of the prohibit, prohibited um, relationships that are considered to be incestuous or whatever in Torah. Torah lists some, but it does not list. It does. It's not. It's not prohibited. Well, when people lived in shtetls, was that more common to marry first cousins then? I mean, it was definitely more common. I don't know if the shtetls were the reason, but to I mean, in in the 150 years ago, it was totally socially acceptable to marry first cousins in many circles. I don't know all the traditions, but it was very well accepted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And there was, yeah, there, there was a knowledge. And even if someone would have a kid, God forbid, with certain condition, there was no understanding what that could be linked to. Mm. I mean, 200 years ago, people didn't know, but things have evolved in different ways since then. Mm. Yeah, thank you. I, I just wanted to clarify that because that, that, you know, that surprise at the end, you know, that concern between Natalie, you know, she was afraid to marry her cousin Johnny, and then it came out that they weren't first cousins. You know, that was like the surprise ending for me. That's what I, I could not have anticipated that, that thing, that problem that came on at the very end, but uh, also that uh, related it to my family and, um, so it, it had a super big impact on me anyhow. Right. Um, so if anyone has book recommendations, you can email or text Rabbi Solish. We're gonna talk about it later this week and we're gonna send it to everybody. I'm looking forward for our next session. Thank you so much. Thank it you. Wonderful. I, it was a great book to read. Yeah, great book. Awesome. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you. Can, I, can Thank I get on the email list? How do I get on it? I got you. Marsha, I got you. You got me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you got my email. Okay. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Looking forward. Have you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Nice. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay.